0: I'm angry, and so I'm voting for Donald Trump. I'm angry about illegal immigration, and so I'm voting for Donald Trump because he said he would build a huge wall to keep out just the sort of undocumented workers he hired to clear the ground for Trump Tower in New York City, and because he said he'd force all the illegals to leave the country and then let them all back in, and he said he'd limit the number of skilled workers that can come here, and then he said he wouldn't do that, and then he secretly told the New York Times he didn't mean any of it, so I don't really know what the hell he's saying, but I'm angry, so I'm voting for him. I'm angry about Islamic terrorism, so I am voting for Donald Trump because he said he'd register all Muslim Americans in a database so he could track them, and that he'd not only torture terrorists, but kill their wives and children, and even if that was against the law, he'd order the military to do it, and they'd have to, because he would be the president, and they'd have to do what he said, because this is America, where the president doesn't have to obey the law and can do whatever he wants, and, and he'll build up the military without it costing anything, and okay, none of that makes any sense, but it doesn't matter, because I'm angry, so I'm voting for him. I'm angry about political correctness, too. And so I'm voting for Donald Trump because he just comes right out and makes fun of handicapped people and short people and anyone who doesn't have as much money as he does, and women especially. He makes fun of their looks and their periods, and he says they should be treated like s***. And I just think that's... I think, actually, that's not exactly politically incorrect. That's more like evil, really. But I'm angry, so I'm voting for him. and. And I'm angry about free trade, for some reason, and about people making stuff cheaper overseas so it costs less here and I can afford it. And I'm angry about the Democrats Donald Trump gave money to and all the money we spend on entitlements that he says he'll keep spending. And so I'm voting for Donald Trump because because I'm angry, and, and I don't make very good decisions when I'm angry. So maybe I should calm down and vote for someone else who would be, like, a better president and not such a schmuck trigger warning i'm andrew clavin and this is the andrew clavin show welcome to the daily wire or as we now call it ground zero in the fight for conservatism <laughs> and we'll get we'll get into that on all the news that is centered in this very spot and uh, but before we do that was my new video i'm angry so i'm voting for donald trump it has gotten Close to 2 million hits in a single weekend, which is kind of astounding. And I just want to say to all the people who wrote in and said, you're an effing idiot, and you're a dirty Jew, and you're a dirtbag, I want to say to each and every one of you, your is spelled Y-O-U apostrophe R-E, okay? It's a contraction of U and R, and the apostrophe is for the A that's being left out. Your, Y-O-U-R, is a possessive case of you that's used as an attributive adjective. So when you next say to your wife, thank you, my dear, for loaning me your tea set for my afternoon salon, or when you say, sweetheart, your eyes are like starlight now, you say your, but when you say your and effing idiot, right? I know you're trying to tell me something, but I don't know what it is, okay? So I just I just wanted to pass that little piece of information along. All right, we have a new sponsor.
1: Hooray!
0: Welcome to Hillsdale College. We love Hillsdale College. We have great sponsors on the show, I have to say. Hillsdale. All right, another. Of- <laughs> uh, Souza there. Hillsdale College, great place. My pal John Miller is the head of the journalism department there, I think. Miller is a, ter- he's really brilliant, terrific uh, writer. I made a joke here a while back about uh, H.P. Lovecraft. I made a joke about. Cthulhu, who's a character in H.P. Lovecraft, and I got a lot of letters from people who recognize the reference. If you really want to read a great article about H.P. Lovecraft, John Miller wrote one for the Claremont Review that is absolutely terrific, and he is teaching at Hillsdale, so you know they've got good stuff going on, but they're also defenders of the Constitution and very much in the business of spreading the knowledge of what the Constitution is. So, if you can imagine that if it was a requirement for every person in public office to sleep with a copy of the Constitution under his, his or her pillow. What I imagine, I imagine more like just shoving the Constitution down their throat and then pulling it out their nose like one word at a time till the words are like emblazoned on their brains. But maybe that's just me. So <laughs> you, instead of, what, what they would like is instead of simple random drug tests, we'd have simple random constitutional rights tests. So if you want to fully understand the Constitution and your constitutional rights, I encourage you to go and check out the free, they have a free online course. You get a free online Hillsdale College course on the constitution constitution 101 at hillsdale college and the way to sign up is to go on at and to hillsdale.edu backslash andrew so they know that you're coming from here right hillsdale Dot edu backslash Andrew and you will know your rights and you will learn the Constitution the foundation of your country and you'll find out what it is we are fighting for and we are certainly fighting for it so here it is we we the Daily Wire has now become the news I'm completely innocent in this I want you to know but Ben Shapiro has quit his job as editor at large on the Breitbart site he was a very big part of Breitbart he was uh, you know one of Breitbart's kind of guys that Breitbart brought up through the ranks. And he has been writing there and he has been steadfastly speaking out, speaking his mind about Donald Trump while the rest of the site became so pro Trump that they were starting to call it Trump Bart. And all that was fine. He was living with that, whatever discomfort that was causing him. But last week, their reporter, Michelle Field, went out into a Trump rally and Trump's campaign manager, Corey Lewandowski, grabbed her and manhandled her, bruised her. And the Breitbart site not only didn't stand up for her, not only did not support her, they kind of made this mild, uh, you know, demand for an apology, but then started to publish stuff on the site saying she had made it up. And she obviously didn't make it up. I know, Michelle, it's ridiculous. There's a video now of showing him grabbing her, uh, you know, and and there's audio and there are eyewitnesses. And it's just ridiculous. And they so they abandoned her and... Ben had enough. And as I say, don't blame me. I mean, I said to Ben, this is no time to have integrity. You know, <laughs> this is like it's a corrupt age. Just get on the bandwagon. I, God gave you a soul so you could sell it if you, you know, if you needed a couple extra bucks. But would he listen to me? No. He went on. And at this point, I mean, to be honest with you, the sight of somebody doing the right thing. Is, is so rare that it's become like a sign and wonder. I feel like I'll be talking to my my great grandchildren. I'll be going, Yes, I I saw someone do the right thing once. It's really really great grandpa. Yes I did. It was a fellow named Shapiro, he's gone now. They took him away. But he was in his day. He actually did the right thing, you know. <laughs> so he went. And he wrote this, I'll read a little bit of the statement he made. He was talking about Andrew Breitbart, and he said, Andrew built his life and his career on one mission, fight the bullies. And that, by the way, is absolutely true. But Andrew's life mission has been betrayed. Indeed, Breitbart News, under the chairmanship of Steve Bannon, has put a stake through the heart of Andrew's legacy. In my opinion, says Ben, Steve Bannon is a bully and has sold out Andrew's mission in order to back another bully, Donald Trump. He has shaped the company into Trump's personal Pravda to the extent that he abandoned and undercut his own reporter, Breitbart News' Michelle Fields. Breitbart News not only stood by, he goes on and talks about the fact that they undercut her, undercut her claims. He says, this is disgusting. Andrew never would have stood for it. No news outlet would stand for it. Nobody should. This truly breaks my heart, but as I am fond of saying, facts don't care about your feelings, and the facts are undeniable. Breitbart News has become precisely the reverse of what Andrew would have wanted. Steve Bannon and those who follow his lead should be ashamed of themselves. Good on you, Ben. Uh, you know, Breitbart was a pal of mine, and I have been very careful during this whole thing not to try and speak for him to say what he would have believed. I think he would have found parts of Trump I'm, on my guess. I think he would have found parts of Trump amusing, but ultimately, would have would have just been infuriated and amazed at what he saw. But I I can't say that for sure. One thing I can say for sure, I can guarantee you, if Andrew Breitbart sent a reporter out in the field, especially a woman, but any reporter, and he and Corey Lewandowski or anybody else had manhandled her, we would have had to. He Andrew Breitwart would have been so far down Lewandowski's throat, we would have had to go up to Lewandowski's mouth and seize hold of Andrew's ankles and pull him out before he ripped Lewandowski a new backside. And that that is just the truth. I mean, that is absolutely true. Because the thing that, that Ben said about him, how much he hated bullies, is really true. I mean, he, he was, you know. Andrew was a conservative in the same sense that I'm a conservative. He was a conservative in that because he was a liberal, because he wanted people to do what he wanted. Andrew brought me in. To the Hollywood, the circle of Hollywood conservatives, which I didn't even know existed. I was out there on my own, just publishing stuff in the LA Times and you know, alienating all my employers and losing jobs and all this stuff. And Andrew brought me into this circle of similarly inclined Hollywood people. And I said to him at the very start, you know, listen, Andrew, if you made a list of right-wing ideas and checked them off, I would check off almost everyone. But I said I just want to be upfront with you from the start so you know. I'm not going to get into this anti-gay stuff. I don't believe in it. I think it's wrong. I think we're making a mistake on this, and I think we're going to have to grow up about it. And Andrew said to me, look, I don't care if you watch gay porn as long as it's pro-American gay porn. <laughs> so he had the same attitude. He had did not have a racist bone in his body. It was infuriating to him that the left, he used to call it like a malamar. The left made a thin brown crust with a big corrupt white center, you know, and that they would send... Blacks out in the forefront to do terrible things, and then when you criticize them, they call you racist. But those blacks were actually protecting a power center that was almost pure white. And so Andrew didn't have a racist bone in his body, despite the fact that he was constantly being called out on that. He was... I don't think he really had a big problem with illegal immigration. I mean, I think he had a big problem with the the illegality of it, but I don't think he was worried about, like, Mexicans swarming the country. And it's very hard for me to imagine him letting the site become what it has become, but he certainly would never have left a reporter to twist in the wind. That I can guarantee you, and I think good on Shapiro for doing the right thing. It is a You know, this is a really, really painful time in this conservative movement because people like me join the conservative movement feeling that we were the good guys, okay, that we didn't go out and do there were certain things we didn't go out and do. We knew what we stood for and we didn't sell out our beliefs. We didn't follow strongmen like Barack Obama and fall off the cliff going after s- silly slogans like hope and change or make America great again. We knew exactly what we stood for and we held our politicians accountable. You know, you go back and look at the stuff Conservatives wrote about Ronald Reagan. They weren't that nice to him when he was alive. They were on him. They didn't worship. Now they worship Reagan because it's safe. Because he's gone, you know. But when he was in power, when he had power, they want. They were on him like white on rice, and they really kept kept watch on him. So I always believe that we were the guy. We were the good guys. We were the guys who said no. We are not violating our principles. No, even even when it's tough. Even when it's tough, not to respond to the taunts of being racist, to the unfairness, the insane unfairness of the media. We were the guys who did the Gary Cooper thing and walked down the street and faced the bad guys alone if we had to. That has fallen apart. Trump has bled off. Many people, I thought, had better stuff in them. Many people I considered my friends. Some of them I even considered uh, culture heroes to some degree. And Trump they have followed Trump off like a pied piper. And for the people who say that I'm bought off or Shapiro is bought off, believe me, believe me, we are losing more than we are winning in doing what we're doing. This guy, when, you know, when people say Trump is a movement, they're right. Trump is a movement. They say that like it's a good thing, you know. <laughs> I'm not looking for a movement. I'm looking for my constitution back. I'm looking for my country back. I don't want somebody to make America great again. I want somebody to make America America again. And Trump is not about to do that, certainly not, with the way he's been behaving. So let's let's move on to the gr- greater subject of the violence that is now being generated by the Trump campaign. Not by the Trump campaign. I shouldn't say that. In the Trump campaign. In the Trump campaign because some of this violence is coming from the left. And, uh, Last week in St. Louis, there was there were scuffles, protests, planned protests that led to, I think, 30, 32 arrests. And then, of course, there was this big thing in Chicago where Trump wisely and rightly canceled his rally to keep there from being violence because... All these guys, moveon.org, the usual suspects, these left Black Lives Matter, uh, some people who come from the Bernie Sanders campaign, though whether they were sent there by the Bernie Sanders campaign is still up for grabs, but they were certainly Bernie Sanders supporters. They were they were chanting that. They, They came to these rallies to cause trouble, to disrupt the, the rallies. And some people, including our friend Barack Obama, who you remember from our last enraged rant, okay, some people are blaming Trump for the violence. You know, let me just stop here for just a minute. Before I get into this, let me stop and serve our other, uh, our other sponsor, who is, do we have that? Oh, there it is. Um, There it is. The Reagan, sorry, I have to call this up on my machine. There it is. Uh, Reagan.com. Before I go off into the, the the violence thing, I just want to remind you that your privacy is under attack and you've got big tech companies that scan your emails and target you with advertising, which I just find really, really Twilight Zone nasty. I mean, every time, every time it happens to me, I go like, ooh, somebody is watching my emails. The government agencies, of course, are just collecting things with the big fishnet, you know, they worry about pulling in uh, tuna with their wh- pulling in whales with their tuna, whatever they worry about while well, they're pulling in every piece of information they can. You can take back your privacy by getting an email address at Reagan.com. What you'll get is your name, Joe Schmo, at Reagan.com, unless your name doesn't happen to be Joe Schmoe, and then you will get a different address, but it will still be at Reagan.com. So you can share President Reagan's name with every email that you send out. And I can't imagine a better way to annoy your left-wing friends. And, but also it means that you know you will, are guaranteed that your emails will never be scanned or shared with third parties. Reagan.com will never do that. So go to ReaganPrivacy.com and secure your personal private email address. It's ReaganPrivacy.com. And if you go right now, you get two months free. ReaganPrivacy.com. All right, so let's go back. There's all this violence. The leftists are turning up en masse. George Soros, uh, who funded MoveOn.org. MoveOn.org is is, uh, pumping energy and money into this. You know, it always bugs me. It always drives me nuts when people attack the Koch brothers. They do this in the New York Times virtually weekly, where they attach the Koch brothers as some kind of sinister people because they fund libertarian free market causes. But George Soros, who has literally crashed currencies and is trying as hard as he can while he protects his own money from any kind of taxation. He protects his huge billion dollar fortune from any kind of taxation. He's trying to impose socialism on the rest of us. He just gets off scot-free and Harry Reid goes and you know attacks the Koch brothers on the Senate floor because you can't be sued for what you say on the Senate floor. So it's not only dishonest, it's also cowardly. That drives me crazy. But so these guys are now organizing to stop Trump, and they're showing up with the violence. And, of course, the first instinct of the left-wing press is to blame Trump for the violence because there has been all this violent talk in Trump's campaign. And I've been talking this about this a lot. I mean, I just think it is proto-fascism to get up and tell people to beat up protesters. There's been one guy who was clocked. You know, here's Trump being asked by CBS's John Dickerson about this guy who was being escorted out of a rally when one of Trump's supporters got up as Trump has urged people to do repeatedly and just dropped this guy, just sucker punched him. And so Dickerson asks him why, and Trump says, well, he was giving the finger. This guy was giving the finger. And Dickerson says, you know, is that, is that, the, is that the point where violence can begin? So go ahead and play his, his response.
1: Well, I think that's a terrible gesture if you want to know the truth. I mean we can say, oh, it doesn't matter, but I think it's a terrible gesture. And you know it's interesting. Uh these people are disruptors. They're not protesters, they're disruptors. They're professional disruptors in some cases, but that's all they do. They stand up and they disrupt. And if somebody did that at a Bernie uh a Bernie route, many of these people come from Bernie. And you know, I have tremendous young people also. We have a whole level of young people. I can't even believe it how young my audience is but if they ever went to bernie's rallies and did the same thing i want to tell you you would be so angry with me nobody talks about it but you would be so against me it's a whole different standard when it comes to a republican conservative versus a liberal If people went to their rallies and disrupted their rallies like my rallies are disrupted the press would stick up for them and would would make all sorts of excuses about how terrible it is so you know we have two standards in this country It's very unfortunate the press Is extremely dishonest.
0: Okay, one of the things that fascists do is they equate nonviolent acts with violence and then say they are justified in responding with violence. So if your words are an act of violence, the left does this all the time, the left does this all the time. You said that that's an act of rape, you know, feminists will say that that those words are like an act of rape. First of all, show the picture of Donald Trump Donald Trump, you just put in Google Trump giving the finger, and that's not the only image that comes up. It comes up again and again. So it's a terrible, terrible thing when somebody else does it. But but Donald feels absolutely fine in doing it himself. That I think he's talking to NBC News in that one. So you know he, what he does there is is typical fascist rhetoric. Your finger is an act of violence. I have the right to respond by violence. Your words are acts of violence. I have the right to respond by violence. Your being a Jew is an act of violence. I have the right to respond by violence. And then once he does that, he then leads you away into this world of us and them, which is, of course, the Donald Trump way of of being. However, however, that begs the question, is it Trump's fault that these leftists show up and attack him and and commit acts of violence? Barack Obama says, "Basically, yes, it is." Here's here's Obama's response to the violence at Trump rallies.
2: And what's been happening in our politics lately? It's not an accident. For years, we've been told we should be angry about America, and that the economy is a disaster, and that we're weak, and that compromise is weakness, and that you, you can ignore science and you can ignore facts and say whatever you want about the president and feed suspicion about immigrants and Muslims and poor people and people who aren't like us
0: you know that is an amazing statement that is an amazing statement because basically what it's telling you is that anybody who disagrees with him is causing violence everything he said. you know play it again and then can you stop it as we go along okay play, play it again
2: and what's been happening in our politics lately? It's not an accident. For years, we've been told we should be angry about America, and that the economy is a disaster, and that we're weak.
0: All right, stop. Stop it right there. The economy has been a disaster, and he has sat on a recovery that could have gone through the roof with his idiotic health care thing that has been an utter failure, and is just an. It's just like a. a lead weight tied to the leg of the economy and people are out of work and he tells them, you know, oh, you're, you're driving too big a car and it's your fault that you're out of work and it's your problem and then that we're weak. He has destroyed, he has gutted our military. He's gutted our military. So when people say that, it's because it's true and he did it. Go ahead and play some more.
2: And that compromises weakness and that you, you can ignore science and you can ignore facts and say whatever you want about
0: Stop it again. You can ignore science. So that's global warming. If you think global warming is a scam for the government to take control of our energy resources, that's you're causing violence. He's he's doing the same thing Trump is doing. He's doing the same thing. You know, (laughs) and if you talk about Muslims, the guy won't mention Islam in connection with terrorism. And there's a there's a you know, there were two huge attacks, major attacks over the weekend. Every couple of days, someone somewhere in the world is being murdered by Islamic terrorists. This guy won't mention it. Of course, it makes you angry. But if you say that, and you can say anything you want about the president, where did we hear, hear that? Oh, yeah, the First Amendment. I remember. I remember now. All right, stop. But the, my my point is, he's doing the same thing. He is equating our beliefs with violence. Okay, that is the fascist way. The guy who gets it right, oddly enough, is our pal Senator Ted Cruz, who responded to that very clip. He was asked. He was asked. Um, who was talking to him? I'm not sure who was talking. Oh, uh, it was um, Chuck Todd. So Chuck Todd t- showed him that clip, and here's Cruz's reaction
3: Barack Obama is a world class demagogue. Um, th- that, that language there is designed to divide us. No, Mr. President, we're not angry at that. We're angry at politicians in Washington, including you, who ignore the men and women who elected you, who have been presiding over our jobs going overseas for seven years, who have been cutting deals that are enriching the rich and powerful, the special interests and the big corporations, while working men and women are seeing their wages stagnating. And he talks about immigrants and Muslims. Mr. President, we're mad at a president who wants to bring in Syrian refugees who may be infiltrated by ISIS. And you're unwilling to be commander-in-chief and keep us safe. So don't engage in attacking the people like the president did. I'll, I'll tell you, that language is the kind of self-righteous All right. moralizing from the president that makes people angry. You think that's worse than what Donald Trump's been doing? I, to, to, to be honest, I think it's very much the same. They're both engaging in demagoguery.
0: That gets it exactly right. Ted Cruz gets it exactly right. Because just because the left is wrong doesn't make Trump right. And see, this is the thing. This is the thing. This is the narrative that's driving everybody. It's the us versus them narrative. And television has a lot to do with this. Because every TV show, basically, every news show pits the most extreme opinion against the most extreme opinion. You, you almost never hear common sense on television. You almost never hear people talk, except with that, that cut by Cruz was common sense. You almost never hear that. And just the thing is, just because there are two evils doesn't mean there's a lesser of two evils. Just because there are two evils doesn't mean there are a lesser of two evils. So when you write to me, as people are writing to me now every day and saying, you so-and-so, blankety-blank, you are going to get Hillary elected just because Hillary is an evil doesn't mean Trump isn't also an evil just because black, you know, for a long time, I've been thinking that the undercurrent, the undercurrent of Trump's campaign is white lives matter. It's basically people who are saying, we are the white working class. We built this country. We made this country what it is. We are this country. You've been telling us for years now that we don't count that we're the bad guys, that black lives matter, but not white lives matter, now we're striking back. Now we're striking back. I mean, it's not an, you know, it's it's really, it really, one of the most painful things about the situation. All this time, the left has been calling us racist for simply standing up for the Constitution. The left calls us racist no matter what we say. They, you know, if we criticize Barack Obama, oh, it's because his skin is black. You know, who, who cares? Who cares? It's, it's, that his, it's that his philosophy is red that we're not happy about. That's what we're unhappy about. But we've been called racist. It is really, really unfortunate and painful to watch Donald Trump to some degree Fulfill the prophecies of the left. In other words, it didn't bother me at all to be called racist when I knew they were wrong. It bothers me to be called racist when Donald Trump and his followers are sort of exemplifying that. It's really his followers who exemplify it, but Donald Trump plays to it and coddles it, and he and he almost cultivates it. I've been thinking that they're like White Lives Matter. They're saying that we have the right to fight back. Okay, if you're going to come and uh, protest in the streets, we're going to come and protest in the streets. If you're going to, you know, come and break up our rallies, we're going to punch you in the head. And a lot of people are saying, you know, choose sides, choose sides. To me, they're both the same. To me, white lives matter, black lives matter. They are both reprehensible. They're both fascist. They are both entirely in the wrong. They both stand for things that I find absolutely uh, despicable and un-American. And they're the same people. They're the same people. And my question to you, all right, to my, my, my conservative friends, my Republican friends, is... If, if we're not going to stand now for the Constitution, if we're not going to stand for the things that matter for the country and what it's supposed to be, and we're just going to have to choose, we say, oh, we're just going to have to choose between this evil and that evil, who is? Who is going to stand? Who is going to stand up? You know. Your mother told you two wrongs don't make a right. You know, that's the that's the takeaway. That's the takeaway from the Andrew Clavin show today. Listen to your mom (laughs) There is there is no choice. And this idea that, you know, they did this. So now we can do that. They've got Hillary. So we have Trump. It's just not going to wash. This is two sides of the same coin. You heard the rhetoric that Trump is using. You heard the rhetoric that Obama is using. Cruz gets it right. One demagogue is just as bad as another. Stick with your principles because it's the only thing that's going to take you home. All right, stuff I like. This week, this week is just in a gesture of goodwill. <laughs> I'm going to celebrate the life of the guy I think of as the last classy Hollywood liberal. I'm going to celebrate the films of Paul Newman. I, I and, and recommend someone's, you know, I hope you've all seen The Hustler and Cool Hand Luke. I mean, those are probably his two best films offhand maybe maybe uh you know uh sunday the butch casting and sunday's good yeah. yeah that, that that's a, that's a great later one but there are a couple of films where he went he went into a period of absolute great filmmaking where he just made one good movie after another and a lot of those films have gotten lost in the shuffle i i worked in the 80s, I guess, I worked uh, when I was kind of a struggling novelist trying to make my way. I worked as a reader for Columbia Pictures, and my office was down the hall from his. And I would see him come by and he would say, always oh, say hello and all of this stuff. I, I, I mean, women used to go weak when this guy walked by. And the funny thing is, like a lot of movie stars, he was very short, but he had a very big head. That For some reason, that films well. You know, I remember being there one day and um, Robert Redford came in to visit him and I looked at him, He was short and had this big head, too. <laughs> and Tom, Tom Cruise, same way. You know, it's just, it's just something that films well for something, you know, for some reason. But he, his office called me in one day and asked me if I knew somebody who would, do for him what I was doing for Columbia, which was reading material. And I did, and I recommended somebody, and they were grateful to me, and they started to leave on my desk every morning. I'd come in, and they would leave the what was then the big Paul Newman product was popcorn and spaghetti sauce, and they would leave the spaghetti sauce. And what they didn't know, of course, is... I. We were starving. You know, I was making nothing. We had a baby. We had no money. You know, I, was, I was bringing this stuff home and I said, Mama, look, I've got spaghetti sauce we can eat tonight. You know, it was, it was all the, and the reason I always remember that is not just the generosity and the kindness of it, but Paul Newman was a classy liberal because when he wanted to do liberal things, he did the conservative thing. He started a business, he started a business and gave the profits to charity. You know, he didn't say, oh, the government should do this. He did say that, but he didn't wait around for it to happen. He he did it himself. It was a very, very conservative thing to do. Every time I buy, you know, Paul Newman, whatever, with popcorn or spaghetti sauce, and they made dog food, you know, I used to think that's the way to do it. That's the way conservatives should give to charity. So Paul Newman was a liberal in the old style. All right, 1967, you know, a lot of his films had H's in it. There used to be this rumor that he believed in... Uh, that all this movie should have an H in the title. because I guess because The Hustler was such a big hit. But anyway, 1967, he made a film called Ombre. Have you ever seen Ombre? Yeah. Yeah. Ombre is one of the great and overlooked westerns. It's based on a novel by Elmore Leonard. And if you watch it, it's a tough guy Western, you know, like you'd expect from Elmore Leonard. And that, in, those, in those days, Elmore Leonard was just a jo- Nobody knew who he was. He was a jobbing Western writer. He'd write some gangster novels. Nobody had discovered him yet. It was the New York Times, I think, that discovered him. And he wrote this thing. And it's, he didn't write the script, but he wrote the novel. And the dialogue in this film is so good. And Newman plays a white man raised by the Indians who's angry about white men abusing Indians, but also is angry at everybody else. And he's just an angry, tough, tough guy. And basically, it's the same story as Stagecoach, a bunch of people in a stagecoach traveling through the West. But but it, it's kind of a commentary on Stagecoach. And that Richard Boone is in it, plays a great villain, some of the greatest tough guy lines I remember, just like a guy draws on Paul Newman, and he says, you know, you got Two ways to go with that gun. You put it down or use it. Even if you tie me, you're going to be dead. <laughs> I just always remember as a kid going, God, that's so cool. But every line of dialogue is great. The toughness of it and the uh, just the whole attitude of it is terrific. Great performance by Paul Newman. Last great Hollywood liberal. Last classy Hollywood liberal. Hombre, 1967. All right, that's it. We'll be back here if we haven't been shelled. I hear that the Breitbart site has now published our address so people can come and <laughs> attack us. So we'll be will be running. I may just kind of run by the microphone tomorrow and just shout out a quick, you know, one-minute show. But thanks for listening, and we will be here come hell or high water, and maybe both. I'm Andrew Clavin. This is the Andrew Clavin Show. <laughs>